0: The turkey might get burned or someone might fall and break their arm or the Dallas Cowboys might lose or uh, something to that effect that know that it's not, you know, things are not going to be perfect. And, and having that flexibility and that adaptability is, is really important.
1: It kind of goes without saying that the holidays are a pretty exciting time of the year. People of different cultural backgrounds in Texas all celebrate with their favorite traditions. Maybe your kids await Santa's arrival, or you get to reunite with your family and friends. At the same time, some folks have painful memories, trauma, or financial woes they associate with the holidays, and that can be a source of stress. We know that these are going to bring up
2: some difficult memories, difficult triggers. And so finding a way to prepare and that preparation can be, you know, I know this date is coming up and I know this date um, may bring some sadness, may bring some anger. And so what can I do to manage that,
1: in that for that day? I'm Bailey Friday, and whether we're celebrating, struggling, or somewhere in between, Texas wants to know, what can we do to manage our mental health during the holidays?
3: You know, we're all getting up every day and just getting through our day, right? There's no expectation. No one called me and said, "Len, this is going to be the greatest two weeks of your life, <laughs> you know, <laughs> coming up. So sometimes the holidays are all about this, you know, what we're sort of being sold It should be this way. It must be this way with all of this kind of pressure and expectation.
1: That is Lynn Winstead. She's a licensed professional counselor and a lecturer at UT Dallas.
3: And so I think what happens is we start to really think about where is the gap? We get more focused on the gap between how I'm actually maybe feeling Versus what I'm being told I should be feeling, and the other piece is that I think sometimes perfectionism <laughs> comes in. Uh, into many people are very all you know, often already on the side of. Leaning towards perfectionism?
1: I am 100% guilty of this. My husband can attest because, you know, we just got back from a trip. So our house is kind of messy, but I have the decorations up and I keep every day, I'm like, we have to clean this house because I want to enjoy my decorations. And when I see all that mess everywhere, that's all I'm thinking about. So that's been a stressor for me. I didn't know other people suffered from that.
3: You know, I do a lot of, of speaking engagements and I always. Are often will say you know raise your hand if you're a perfectionist or you're in recovery from perfectionism <laughs> and usually it's there's a lot of hands that, that go up so it really is very common and I do think to your point even around the holidays there's this extra expectation of what we should be feeling what is the perfect holiday what's the perfect gift and I think sometimes when those two things, collide it can make the holidays a little bit more stressful.
2: During COVID, we've lost a lot of individuals and a lot of individuals might have lost, you know, loved ones during this time. So the holidays are, you know, a hard reminder that
1: my loved one isn't here anymore. Jeanette Dominguez is the lead mental health counselor for the behavioral health department at Parkland Health in Dallas. For some,
2: it may be that financial strain that the holidays are here and my kids are expecting gifts. They're, expecting Santa to come. And I can't deliver either because of a job or, you know, with the economy, things are so expensive. So I might not be able to afford those new pair of Nikes that they want. Although the holidays are for gathering and family fun for some individuals, it can be really stressful. It can be another added stress, another added worry on their plate. And, you know, they don't seem to enjoy it all that
3: well. One of the things that I think the pandemic, uh, you know, I don't want to say there were positives in the pandemic, but I think it generated a little bit more of an authentic dialogue. And I think a great way to approach someone is really, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? And really being able to point to something observable. You just maybe don't seem like yourself. You seem a little disengaged and when there might be a difference in behavior. Usually someone is is a certain way and their responses and their reactions are a certain way. And so if you notice that maybe there's a difference in how they normally are, it's really so nice and demonstrates care to be able to say to someone, so usually you seem excited, but it seems like maybe you're not as excited this year. Are you okay? Is there anything that, you know, I can do for you?
1: Dominguez went ahead and shared her insights on how to best navigate grief and trauma during the holidays. It's not a one size fits all. So for one person, it may look
2: like the normal depression where they're not eating, they're not sleeping, or they're sleeping all day, they don't want to get out of bed, they don't want to take a shower. And for someone who is active, you know, that has a job, it may just be that they go to work and they come home and they isolate, they turn off their phone, they don't want to watch TV, they get in bed right away. Um, They're missing dinners, you know, it's easier to skip a dinner and just go to bed and avoid avoid uh life, avoid having to think about anything. So You know, there's so many different uh, signs that we can look for, but one of the biggest things that I would recommend is just even reaching out to individuals that, you know, may have a history of sadness during the holidays or may have lost a loved one during this time. Reach out to them and just say, hey, you know, I'm here for you. You may not want to talk. You may
1: um, not even know what you're going through, but I'm here for you political disagreements and petty arguments are sure to happen when families get together, right? But some people have had traumatic experiences that are deeper rooted. So how can someone with family trauma enjoy the holidays?
0: Just because someone is family doesn't mean that you have to spend time with them or hang out with them. If there is a someone in your family that uh, has caused you pain or trauma in the past, avoid them. Don't don't go to that event, don't have them over for that event. And you know, that might hurt other people's feelings. It might be difficult to not be included, but in the long run, guilt or whatever for not going or not having someone is way less painful than surrounding yourself with that person.
1: Dr. Jeff Temple is a licensed psychologist and the founding director of the Center for Violence Prevention at the University of Texas Medical Branch. He also serves there as a vice dean for research in the School of Nursing.
0: First and foremost is prevention and and don't hang around with people just because their family doesn't mean you have to love them or even like them. Second is you know I I you know where this I think talking about it sort of comes up is politics and religion and all that and even if you like the person uh, on a holiday sometimes that stuff comes up and so that's tricky and I think going in there with a game plan knowing how you're going to respond assuming that stuff that you're not going to like is going to come up going in there with a game plan of how to respond how to deal with it, it is key.
1: How do you navigate those situations and how do you do it in a way that's not going to
3: damage your mental health? Well, my first advice on that would be if you've experienced a trauma, certainly I would say talk to a professional, you know, whether that's, you know, if it, I will say if it's still impacting you, right. Mm. You know, even if it's more of a preventive thing, you know, so I've got family coming in, it kind of have, triggers me on some things. Have some of those preventive, preliminary conversations with someone that really is a professional that could help you strategize how to best take care of yourself. The other piece that I think that's very important is drawing boundaries around you and your own self-care and taking care of you. I would say you really have to put yourself first. And draw boundaries around what will I talk about, who will I sit by, who will I invite, who will I not see, um, and really shape that ahead of time so that in the moment you really know your strategies for self-care.
0: There's a small percentage of people that have what's called seasonal affective disorder uh, uh and sort of known as winter blues but uh uh it's it's a real clinical depression where uh seasonal depression where when the uh there's less light out it starts to uh get you know darker earlier uh colder lower ceiling and and people just start to feel more down whether it's a reduction in melatonin or serotonin but this mimics clinical depression in terms of frequent sadness and crying, lack of interest in doing things that they typically would do. Uh, and it kind of resembles a bit of hibernation, craving of carbohydrates, sleeping more, putting on weight. And, uh, and then you start to see it abate as spring and summer comes into play.
3: As someone that's been in the mental health space for my entire career, people will say, oh, I think I had that seasonal affective disorder. I'm like, Everyone has just affective disorder. Our bodies and our brains are made to um, be outside, get fresh air, sunlight, and all those things. There's just some natural things that occur. So I think number one, just even being aware. So we all have things that kind of fill up our bucket, so to speak, right? And they make us feel well and connected and just in a really mental, emotional, good space. So what you would really want to do is to shift, you know, if you know, if being outside or going for a run or being in the sunlight are those things that some of the things that fill you up, you really have to consciously think well, I can't really sit outside all on Saturday and read the newspaper or listen to my favorite podcast. I am going to have to do some other things to kind of fill the bucket.
1: Yeah. Talking about that seasonal affective disorder, is there anything that can be done to prevent that? Or is it just going to happen if it's going to
3: happen? So I always encourage people to sort of create what I call a well-being toolbox. And some of those things, are, are very small in there. And some of those things are really a bigger ticket items that I would say. But when we know we might be experiencing, you know, days of rain, really, really cold temperatures, lack of sunlight, you want to really dig around in that well-being toolbox and come up with some other things that will enhance your well-being.
2: Lighting is really important. I in my home, when it's so cold, you know, you can't open blinds sometimes and there's no sun. So I depend on the lights in my house. So I make sure that my lights are not the warm bulbs, that they're the bright fluorescent daylight lights. And so it just really brightens up my house a little bit without me having to open the blinds and bring that cold in. So really just focusing on lighting. Maybe you even wanna bring a little palm trees in your home or (laughs) bring a beach scene in your home.
0: I would say for the general population, is making sure you uh, uh, you know you get outdoors, you exercise, you uh, try to keep your normal routine, even with the uh, reduction in daylight. I think that's huge. Getting your your vitamin D, your sunlight uh, is is big. Uh, and then for people who have a uh, predisposed to seasonal affective disorder, there are different things that you can do. One is light therapy, where you uh, actually just buy a, a light that has, uh, you know, it's an extremely bright light meant to treat this. I think it's like 10,000 lumens and you expose yourself to that light for 30 to 45 minutes per day. Or of course, there are is talk therapy, which is things like cognitive behavioral therapy to talk you through your your thoughts and to get you out doing stuff. And then uh, of course, medication as well. So your selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, uh, can also treat or prevent uh, seasonal affective disorder.
1: It's pretty easy to talk about all the negative stuff and how negativity affects our mental health, but let's look at the other side of it. How can the holidays lift up our spirits? That's what they're supposed to do, after all.
0: For uh, a large majority of people, the holidays are a great time. Family's a great time to get together. You know, there's nostalgia there, remembering back when you were a kid and and the Christmas morning and... And being able to sort of recreate that with having family in town is is perfectly great, and uh, uh, and you know I think it's good to rekindle those relationships or maintain those relationships
3: to really try. What one, one of the things that that really data and science shows us as far as well being, one contributing factor is gratitude, and so for us to be able to have more of a gratitude piece for the things that we are thankful for related to those family and friends, right? So there may be things we're not thankful for <laughs> with you know, those individuals, but to really try to purposefully walk yourself back towards gratitude.
2: Using this as a staycation. For some of us, we're always on the go, go, go. And for, for some of us that get to take, you know, these couple of days off and we have, you know, a couple just days at home without having to work. This is a great time for us to do house stuff. If there's anything you've been putting aside all summer, maybe you haven't really had a chance to put all the pool equipment away or you haven't been able to clean out your closets and move the summer clothes out and put all your winter clothes. You know, there's
1: really different things that you can do even staying at home. And unfortunately for most people, tis the season to be sad. As we move further into wintry weather and shorter days, how can everyone maintain their well-being?
3: Sometimes it feels counterintuitive to take care of ourselves. I think there's this underlying message sometimes to put everyone else first all the time and you will reap the rewards later. But I really like to think about it as, you know, a gas in the gas tank. When, am I paying attention to when I feel depleted? If so, right? I I wish I had a warning light that would go off on my forehead and say, Lynn, you're (laughs) getting depleted. Um, But we don't, right? So, are we paying attention to the little nuances when we sort of need to refuel ourselves? And then are we stopping to do that? And then even knowing what fuels you, is it your best friend? Is it your favorite yoga class? Is it just being real in the moment? Is it drawing boundaries, you know, around sort of your own self-care and what you need and want? as opposed to all the things and the messages about should and have to, that I do think sometimes come into the holidays. So I think just good self-care and really owning what you need, when you need it and feeling, feeling like you can step in to get it.
0: One of the best things that I have learned with myself and something I've tried to impart with not only my patients, but my kids is that to recognize that things are not going to work out perfectly. I think my most important advice as a psychologist is to really be uh, going there knowing that things are not going to go as planned. They're not going to be perfect. Things are going to get messed up and to roll with it.
1: I'm Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas-Fort Worth. Thank you so much for joining me on our podcast, Texas Wants to Know. If you liked the show, please go ahead, tell your friends, give us a rating, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Chris Blake and Savannah Jones. Original music by Michael Eisenstein. Editorial support from Cooper Mall. Odyssey's managing producer for National News Podcasts is Myron Kaplan.